Hello, and welcome to the High Street Community Church Podcast. We're so excited you're learning alongside us, and we pray this message leads you closer to the Lord and others. High Street Community Church is simply a family of friends following Jesus. God bless you as you listen. Before I dive into our message this morning, this is the book that inspired me to launch this series on trees. We're doing eight sermons on trees, eight tree one, about our one God. And I'll leave it up here if anybody's interested. Um, It would have been nice to have the book to to further educate me on on how to preach on trees, but it's a fabulous, fabulous book. I love it. I'm partway through it. Um, And so if, if you've been blessed by this series, you probably would be blessed by that really good book, Reforcing Faith, by Dr. Matthew Sleeth, MD. Um, This week's tree, there's a theme as I study these trees that all the books that talk about the potential, this is the best tree ever. So I'm like, that was true of the olive tree, or that's the true, that wasn't true of the acacia tree, I'll tell you that. Um, But this tree, you know, historically it's very, very, popular, very well used. It's uh, economically very valuable. There's a lot of spiritual truth in this tree. Um, The tree this week is the fig tree. The fig tree. And um, I I don't have a specimen. Usually I bring a branch of a tree up here. Um, Actually, Frank told me, he says, I have a fig tree, but I didn't have any branches I wanted to saw off and give to you. (laughs) My neighbor had said the same thing to me. I have a fig tree. You're not taking it. Um, so I have a picture of a fig tree in our garden, our, our backyard that I planted in our house in San Clemente down in Orange County that grew very well. I had a wet area right there from my neighbor. He overwatered his yard, so it was always marshy there. And I thought, what tree really likes water? Put a fig tree, grew up. It grew so fast that it actually fell over once. So I had to cut the main trunk down and then it sprouted and went again. A pretty cool tree. Um, but a fig tree is best known for its fruit. I mean, the woods, eh, so-so. It's got great shade, really huge leaves, as Adam and Eve appreciated. Um, we'll get to that. And, uh, and yet, here's the th- deal about the fig tree. It's the only tree that Jesus directly referenced. It's the only tree that he specifically pointed out something about the fig tree. And, you know, that was the tree that, that um, they used to hide themselves. And so he's dealing with our separation and our hiding just by picking that species. Let me pray uh, as we launch in and see if, uh, see if we can be taught both by the scripture and by this um, created thing, the fig tree. Jesus, you, um, you are our covering. We don't need to hide behind fig leaves. You're our provision. You provide for us our daily food. My request is this, is that you teach us today about following you and about cultivating followers. As we look at your word, we actually get to look at what you specifically said and taught about fig trees. And may we even learn about fig trees and be fruitful. In Christ's name, amen. So, uh, Don Moser, I saw you in here earlier. You gotta raise your hand. I don't know if it was you or your wife, but I had a wrapper that I've kept all week of, from a fig newton. You know, when you think of fig trees, I had it on my desk, and they were so good, they cleaned my desk and threw it in the trash. I got in there this morning, I'm like, where's my wrapper? <laughs> good job. 
Um, so I don't have a, a wrapper of a fig Newton, but that to me, when you think of fig, I mean, that's what I think of first and most is fig Newton. When we would go backpacking as a kid up in the high Sierras, the one cookie that we'd bring a lot of were fig Newtons. They tasted pretty good, but my dad says, oh, they're super nutri nutritious. His middle name was Newton, so I'm thinking he was maybe going that angle. But I liked fig Newtons, but often it meant carrying a heavy pack, hiking up in a dusty trail, but ultimately swimming in a beautiful alpine lake. But there's more to figs than fig Newtons, although they are very nutritious. They have huge leaves. You can see that from that kind of picture. Huge, huge leaves that just continue, seem like to get bigger and bigger. Um, the leaves, it's deciduous, so they fall off um, during the winter time. They're great for shade. The fruit, um, it actually comes out a couple times a year, not so much in the spring, but the second harvest is in the fall. And the fruit comes out with um, the very first leaves. So there's nothing on the trees, a bunch of sticks, then a bunch of leaves come out and, and a little bit of fruit. And then um, by the fall, you know, around September, the fruit just really comes out a ton on those things. And they, uh, they historically, it's, it's, uh, it grows wild in the Holy Lands. And they have cultivated and wild trees. The fruit's great on both of them. The, uh, the fruit is actually an inside-out fruit. So all fruits come from flowers. They're flowers that are blossomed and fertilized, and then they produce a fruit. So this one, it grows inside out. If you tear it open, you can, you can even do that with a fig. You look like, oh, it kind of looks like a flower in there. Well, that's because it grew inside out, and that's what you're eating. Um, very, very tasty, very, very good for you. You can dry it, and they'll store it for the whole winter. They make cakes out of it. Um, anybody like Fresno? 99% of the U.S. fig production is within 50 miles of Fresno. Something great for Fresno. Good job, Fresno. It's one of the uh, earliest cultivated plants in history. I mentioned the wood isn't great. The shade is very good. But mostly it's just known for the fruit. That's the deal with the fig tree. It produces great, great fruit. It takes about three years for it to fruit. It can fruit sooner. But actually in the law, in the Old Testament, they said don't harvest anything for the first three years. And then you can have at it. It also has medicinal value. You can put it, there's passages in the Bible, they put it on these boils and it'll heal you. It's the fruit that they traditionally would give to someone when they're sick to help in their recovery. Kind of like when I was growing up, it was when you could get seven up. You were sick. Here, have some seven up. This will bring back your strength. So think of the fig as that way when you're sick. It's super sweet and very tasty, almost like a dessert fruit. The purpose of fruit in general because I'm going to be focusing largely on fruit this morning with this tree, is it cares for seeds. And it also really, usually most fruit helps in the dispersal of seeds. Okay, so something eats it and either expels the seed or drops the seed somewhere else, and the seeds get spread all over the place. And sometimes the seed will actually use energy from the fruit to live, to grow initially. Um, so reproduction, the whole point of a fruit is not just for us to enjoy it, although that's another reason this fruit is there so animals and people can eat them and enjoy them. But also the, uh, the, the point of the fruit is to say, okay, I want to make another fruit-bearing thing. Another, it's for making another tree, right? Another plant. Um, fruit, just is just a, a thought, uh, kind of conceptually, fruit is the um, visible result of invisible activity. Right? That's going to be true spiritually, that there's a visible fruit. You see action because of invisible activity in your life um, with God. Um, think of it like this way in terms of a fruit. 
You ever seen an apple tree with a lot of blossoms on it? So a bee comes up and pollinates it, and it's basically the flower blossom um, is fertilized, and then it becomes an apple. If you look at an apple, you turn it upside down, you see that little, you know, you see the stem. The other side is the very end of the flower, right? And it became a fruit. That's how fruits work, is that they were flowers that are fertilized. Um, so what part of Scripture has this tree? Last week we looked at the olive tree, and I... It, like many of these trees, they just kind of punted and said, hey, it's all throughout Scripture. Over 50 times you'll find fig trees um, in the Bible. And, um, but a couple of them that we'd point out is Genesis 2, 16 and 17. That's where Adam and Eve were, um, realized, oh my gosh, we're naked because they disobeyed and ate the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat. So they put on fig clothes, right? Good choice, big leaves. Imagine with an oak tree with these little leaves, it would take you forever. <laughs> or an olive tree, <laughs> little... T- Never mind. Uh, don't imagine that, actually. <laughs> it's described throughout the Bible because it's always in the setting of Palestine. So fig trees are here and there in a bunch of different stories. But as I mentioned, Jesus specifically talked about fig trees a couple times, actually talked about the tree. So I want us to look at those two, or at least a couple of those instances, two instances as we study the fig tree and what God says in the Bible. So the first one, or the, actually, I'll just tell you the two of them. One is a parable. So parables, Jesus teaching through a story. So he has a made-up story about a fig tree, and then he actually has a conflict with a fig tree, maybe even a fight with a fig tree. Okay, that's the second one. So we'll first do the parable. So if uh, I think we're going to put the scripture up there. It's in Luke 13, um, verses 6 to 9. And if you, if you want to turn to it in your pew Bibles, it's uh, on page 1,109. And I'll read this passage And we'll see what we can learn from the parable, the story that Jesus gives about the fig tree. And he told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. Then, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. So you, you get the picture here is, is um, actually there's this vineyard, and in vineyards back then they would plant some fig trees. I'm thinking like it's a good place to rest because it's so shady. But that's what's going on. And then the owner of this vineyard comes up and says, Hey, this fig tree... There's no fruit. Just cut it down. Just get rid of it. And then the worker says, whoa, 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 just one more year. Please just give it one more year. Let me tend to it even more intensely. I want to I dig up the soil around it, and then I, um, I want to put some fertilizer on it. Just give it a year. Then if you, if you want, cut it down, because yes, we don't want something growing, taking resources, taking up dirt that's not doing what it's supposed to do. Now, this parable ends right there. You don't find out if a year later if it produced fruit or not. And that's a good teaching um, tool is just to end something with a question or leave a story half finished. In fact, the whole book of Jonah tells this whole story. The book of Jonah ends with a question. And you're reading the book, you're like, what happened? And that's the point. You're supposed to look at your own life and say, am I producing fruit? What happens? What, where am I? You're, you're mid-story like this. Your life is mid-story just like this parable is a mid-story in life. So Jesus basically says, hey, look at the fig tree. It's not producing fruit. We should cut it down. No, 
one more year, Tad, three years, give it one more year, and I'll do these things to it and then see if it produces some fruit. So that's the first, first uh, um, look at fig trees that, where Jesus talks about it. The second one is a little more specific. That's this conflict Jesus has with the fig tree. And let me just read it to you. Matthew 21, verses 18 to 22. It's on page 1050, if you're going to follow along in your pew Bibles. And this, is, um, this happens right during, um, during Holy Week. So we had just studied Palm Sundays, and we, we studied the olive tree where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is right between those two things where this happens. So in the morning, as he was returning to the city, so this is right after Palm Sunday, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, it'll happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. What in the world is there? Jesus is this compassionate healer, really seems like a pretty nice person, and he kills an innocent fig tree. Fully kills it. Tree murderer. Right around Arbor Day, right? Same time of year. How dare he? Before I answer that, let's, let's look at some of the core truths that we can learn. I think the answer will bubble up. Fruit matters most to a fig tree. That's kind of the deal. That's the point of a fig tree. We saw that in the parable. We're seeing this as Jesus comes up. All he's, only, he's only finding leaves. You see, Jesus had been at the temple the night before, and then after he does this, he goes back to the temple with a whip, and he wrecks shop. He he. he blows up the temple, he cleanses the temple, he gets rid of all the robbers and thieves, and he says, you're using this house of worship for, for you know, sordid business gains. You're doing it for your own selfish needs. He cleans it out. And what, what's going on here is that Jesus went to the temple, it was during you know, Passover, this huge party, hundreds of thousands of people there, and apparently the temple's not really being used like it should be used like. Sure, he's got all the looks of a big party of a worshipful celebration. Lots of leaves, no fruit. So he goes to the temple, sees it's just a parade, it's just a show, and, and this fig tree is just the picture of what, what's going on here. He says, I'm going to cut this thing down. We're going to have a new covenant, a new way to connect with God because we're not doing that in the temple. We're just doing a party. We're just doing this annual party. We're just, we're just being a hypocrite. The tree was an example of a hypocrite, an actual picture. You're a fruited tree. He walks up to the tree. At this time of year, this tree wouldn't have as many as the fall, but it would have figs on it. He went up to the tree, loaded with leaves, no fruit. What's the point? Goes to the temple, not worshiping God, just there to make money, exact opposite. Cut it down. That's why Jesus cursed the tree. The other thing there, which came out in the parable, is Jesus had ministered around three years at that point, and he didn't see any fruit, or very little fruit, right? 
It was going hand in hand. The fig tree is giving the demonstration of what's really going on spiritually. It's just a party without worshiping God. If there's no fruit, there's judgment. If there's no fruit, there's judgment. So I want you, everybody, do your best to focus for like, I don't know, the next five minutes. This is where the message will get really helpful for us. What fruit can we bear? That's the question. We, we, you know, we're fig trees. As a church, we're a fig tree. As a person following Christ, you're a fig tree. The point is not to look good and have a bunch of leaves and grow. The point is to produce fruit. Right? That's the point. So the natural question is, how do we grow fruit? Because fruit clearly matters to God. How do we grow fruit? Well, Jesus makes that really clear in one of the passages that I read in Matthew. He's talking about having a prayer of faith. You want to move mountains? Just pray. Pray with faith and these things will happen. And he gets real specific here in John 15, verses 1 to 5. This is how you bear fruit. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Silly as a branch cut off from a fig tree. Frank wants his fig branch because once he cuts it off, it won't produce any fruit. What does it mean to abide in Jesus? I think the original story of Adam and Eve in the garden walking with Jesus, uh, walking and talking and being together, connecting, that's a picture of abiding. You can ask hard questions, you can complain, you can uh, thank him, you can just be together. That's what abiding is, hearing what he calls us to do. But there's a faith measure in there that really matters too. Faithing isn't just I believe and then not doing anything about it. Faithing is doing things as well. It proves your faith. When my kids were little, and and most dads did this, you're out swimming at the pool, the kid stands on the edge of the pool, and what does the dad say? Jump! And then the kid may believe that you can catch you, that you can catch him, but what proves that they believe? If they jump. That's the point. So you can say, oh, I believe in God, but you don't love your neighbor. You're not jumping. You know, I believe in God, but He's calling me to go to the Philippines. He's jumping. His faith is going to be real. Abiding isn't a guilt thing either. Jesus tells us in Matthew, in fact, in the message, it says it this way, that we're to, you know, connect with him, walk with him, be yoked with him, and we will learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Not forced, you're invited. When we did that, when we had the whole church dancing to that music, that was the point, is you hear the beat and you're like, I gotta move, I gotta dance, I wanna walk with Jesus. And grace does that. Jesus says, hey, abide in me, you're gonna bear fruit. You can't do it apart from me, so join in. So that's the first thought, is how do we bear fruit? Is abide, connect, walk with, be with Jesus, relate with Jesus. 
And prayer is the best way to do that. Uh, the second one is a fruit inspection. And we can see that in uh, one of the most famous passages on fruit is in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I don't think I gave her that one. And against such things, there's no law. Good. Those, those two last two are hard for me, so we'll skip those. So on, um, is this going out? Yeah. <laughs> it's probably been out for a long time. I didn't even know it. Fruit inspection. So we had a deacons meeting on Thursday night, and one of the things we did, um, we're doing some uh, spiritual training and encouragement for our deacons, and this last Thursday night, one of the things we did was this very thing, a fruit inspection. We looked at different qualities of deacons in the Bible and leaders, and we looked at this passage right here, and we went around the room and said, hey, let's, let's inspect what fruit, what fruit do you think you demonstrate? What fruit is missing? Because you, you, you want to bear fruit, right? And so you don't just, well, I guess I'm bearing, you, you, you examine, you say, hey, and we, we told each other, hey, I see this fruit in your life. And we confess, I'm, I'm not very good at this fruit. I want to know if I'm abiding in the vine. I want to know if the Spirit is working through me. He tells us in the Scripture, here's how you know if you have fruit. Here's the fruit you should have. Is there love in your life? Is there joy? Is there peace? Is there patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? If those things are missing, you got a problem. You want to see those fruit. Now, we're not perfect. We don't have fruit all the time, but we do need to do a fruit inspection on time. And it was a really profitable, healthy time for our leadership team to do that. You need to do that yourselves. You need to do that with other people in your life that know you, that say, I see this fruit. It's not a, a necessarily a bad thing. It's a, it's a really joyful thing. It's always convicting because we we're not perfect. But it's encouraging, too, to know, like, wow, I do have this fruit. I, I am trusting God. You can't have fruit apart from abiding. So fruit matters to God. We've got to be abiding, connected with him. We should inspect to see if we really are, examine ourselves. And then the last one, this is probably my favorite part of the whole thing. The Lord is the gracious gardener. Whew. Yesterday, or last night, I was out in our backyard and I was watering our newly planted fruit trees that I planted a bunch of fruit trees this year and a bunch of weeds have already grown up. How dare they? <laughs> and so I'm out there picking out the weeds and I'm putting a ton of water on there. I'm just spending time in my excitement. I'm excited to see these trees grow and they're, they're starting to put out a bunch of leaves and some blossoms and it's really fun for me. And the picture is clear like, the Lord does that with me in my life. He cares enough to pull out these weeds, get rid of these things, and to help me grow. Well, the scripture tells us there's three things <clears throat> that are going on here that we can participate in. The first one, and it's said in that parable, hey, if this tree's not growing, we should dig up the soil. Now, you know what that means? It means when a tree is really comfortable and the soil's there, you, you kind of dig it up to aerate the roots and, and even stir up some of the, the, the nutrients can fall down. The soil gets really firm. And as a Christian, sometimes we get really comfortable and we don't want to have compassion because it might take me out of my comfort. It might send me to Philippines. It's sweaty there. It's really humid, I'm sorry. He's going to be uncomfortable, but he's going on a trip like that because it stirs up his soil, right? 
it gets him out of his comfort zone and he's gonna, his faith is going to grow. God calls us to a number of different things and it gets us out of our comfort zone. In fact, one of the best ways to get us out of our comfort zone, unfortunately, is God will allow, sometimes he sends, sometimes he allows trials in our lives. How do you get maturity? James 1, 2-4 says, Hey, you consider it joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces an endurance, and endurance will have its end result, which is maturity. That's the story of a, of a tree with a blossom that's a flower that ends up becoming a fruit. It's this long process that if we walk with God, if we say, Okay, I'm going to partner with you. I'll let this difficult thing in my life, you can use that to produce maturity. We want maturity. That's the goal. Maturity for a fig tree is fruit. Maturity for a Christian is fruit. Fruits of the Spirit and obedience to what he's saying. So dig up the soil. That's what he's, he's doing. That's what's going on sometimes in difficult things in our life. Something difficult going on in your life. Yield to the Lord and say, okay, I know this is tough, but I want fruit. The second thing is to add fertilizer. Well, that's smelly. Fertilizer is an outside ingredient that the tree didn't have. It's added to it. So something is coming from the outside helping you grow. It's just not just you and God. It's there's sometimes outside help. And one of the things that we do here is an equipping hour. So in the next hour, for example, uh, Dave and Carrie are teaching um, the, uh, in the lower ACE, and they're going to be talking about soul care. You want to grow in your faith, have an appointment with them and say, hey, I want to see how God is working. I want to partner with God with what he's doing in my life. That's what soul care is. And that's an outside, now granted from inside our church family, but that's an outside fertilizer to help you. Another one upstairs from that is a parenting collective. And there's parents up there um, that are struggling, trying to be good parents, trying to cultivate their kids' faith. And some of the parents don't have kids around anymore. They're adult kids. They have really good fertilizer to share. <laughs> Areas that they've messed up, Right? and areas where they've succeeded that help you as a parent. Sometimes you need outside help. That's what the fertilizer piece is. And then, of course, we know this one. We just read it, is that sometimes there's pruning. Pruning is tough for me. Pruning is like, get rid of something good. You're going to cut part of a tree off? Yeah, so we can get something great. Sometimes our church needs to cut things off that we're doing, good things, so we can see great things. Sometimes your personal life, you go, i got to get rid of this thing. I don't need to keep doing this thing. Because you'll have space and you have freedom to say yes to the thing that God's calling you to. Pruning is tough. But it's best. It's a fact that when you, produce, when you prune, there's more fruit. I mentioned it many times. A fig tree is designed and destined to fruit. Good, attractive, life-giving fruit. We are all blessed by God not just so we can enjoy it. A fruit tree, I mean, imagine a fig tree just having all these figs and they all fall to the ground and they're, they're not eaten or used. What a waste. You know, they've given figs so that the birds can enjoy them, so that we can enjoy them. Some of them will, will reseed and become new, new trees, but that's the point of fruit. We're, our lives are not meant to just make us comfortable and for us to be happy and satisfied. We're to be fruitful to bless others. And ultimately, we want our fruit to lead to more fruit-bearing trees. As you follow Jesus, cultivate Jesus' followers. I want to lead us in a little prayer. Um, as we close, and just with these concepts in mind, and in your heart, I want you to yield to the gardener. 
and asking for these things for you and for our church. Let's pray. God, we need you. If there's something that's very clear in this story that we see just by watching a fig tree or hearing what you teach us about it, we can't do anything apart from you. We can't grow our church, we can't grow our lives, we can't produce fruit. So we confess that we need you. We need you to weed, we need you to water, we need you to prune, <clears throat> we need fertilizer. <clears throat> And you tell us to pray prayers of faith, prayers that we believe, and we act on those beliefs. And you promise we'll see growth. Father, we also want to pause as a church and thank you for the growth you've given us over the last weeks, years, decades. You've produced fruit through this church. You've produced fruit in all of these lives here. We just want to say thank you for being willing to use even us. But we don't want to stop at a thanks. We want more. We want you to bless us. We want you to bless us so we can bless our city, our county, our community, our families, our friends, our coworkers. We confess we don't always know how to do that but we're willing. As the disciples were sent out, you send us. I'm like Frank, I don't like the idea of going with less, <laughs> but it gives you more glory. <clears throat> Thank you for the fig tree. What a great teacher. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to the High Street Community Church weekly message. We hope you were encouraged to follow Jesus. For more, please subscribe to our podcast or visit us online at hscchurch.org.